When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Turf. We are at the world-famous Kansas City Soccer Dome. Eric just reminded me to say that, like I would forget by this point. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Dad? Ah, uh, not too bad. A little tired, but you know, that's life. Get ready for a busy weekend. Lots of soccer between uh, sporting and the Comets. Uh, are you looking forward to this weekend? I am. I think that uh, it's safe to say the Comets have a bad taste in their mouth after getting uh, hammered in, in Baltimore. And not hammered in a festive way, hammered in on-the-field way. So I think that they have an opportunity to, to correct course. But uh, maybe before we, we talk about what they're facing two games this weekend, we look back at uh, what happened in Baltimore. What did happen? I mean, obviously the score was 9-2. Not a very favorable score for the overall game. Uh, they can use excuses all they want, but they still needed to at least show better than that. What do you think? So a couple things that, that come to mind. Take a step back. So how did they prepare for this? You mentioned we're at the world-famous Kansas City Soccer Dome. And so there's a regulation field, but also a smaller field, more futsal size or little kid size. They trained there to, to do what they could to uh, approximate the CQ field there in Baltimore. I think that was smart, didn't affect the, the outcome. A couple things that, that I noticed, first of all, William Vanzela was terrific, he made yep. 31 saves. So some of them were garden variety, some of them were better than garden variety saves. And so kudos to him for once again, being Defensive Player of the Week in the MASL. I think strategy-wise, the team that seems to have figured out how to play in Baltimore is San Diego because they're very compact defensively. They're very organized. They don't make a lot of mistakes, and then they transition from defense to offense. It's hard for the Comets. Teams like the Comets and Empire that want to score, 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 score. It's hard when you push up forward and then you lose the ball because all of a sudden, not only are you trying to defend, you're defending a shorter defenders the way the Comets are this year and in a shorter field and what happens you get scored on. Yeah that's pretty much the way I saw it. I, I watched them practice the other day and uh, they were pressing high that's what they did in the game they once they got the ball they were trying to you know do that build that offense and Baltimore just punished them every time um, like you said, that short field, I, I do think probably the, the style is to to play a little uh, more defensively, play that compact, almost park the bus for, from an outdoor term. I hate that style, but that's probably what you have to do in that little field. I mean, I, I think that's right. So I think about today's San Diego soccer, but going way back to my favorite year in the history of indoor soccer, 1987. The Dallas sidekicks always played everybody behind the ball. So we're going to defend first. We're going to defend as a team, and then we'll break out from that. It, it 
minimizes the odd men situations. And, and so I think if the Comets wind up facing, well, we'll talk, they have to go on the road to Baltimore again. But if they also have to face them in the playoffs there, a change in strategy would definitely be a smart idea. Totally agree. Ed, is there really anything else we can break down from that game? I mean, is there positives? Positives for Baltimore, for sure. They passed the ball extremely well. Um, and it was multiple players scoring. I think from the Comets, it's really hard to take what happened in that game and then extrapolate it for Cable Dolphin Arena. It's a, it's a different field. It's a different setting. The Comets are very confident at home. I think Baltimore may be a little bit looser this week than Kansas City was going in there because there's less pressure on them. They're uh, tied for second place right now. Yes, they would like to compete with Milwaukee, but I, I don't know that they're coming in here expecting to get three. The Comets absolutely need three points on Saturday night. Uh, we've talked for how many weeks now? Got to get points on the road. Got to get points on the road. Uh, true. Got to get points at home. Absolutely got to get those three points. It, they were they go, went into this last week with the opportunity to basically move up to second, I think, and came out of it in a solid fourth. Well, but there's an opportunity this weekend, a couple opportunities. Let's start with Friday. So they're three points behind Baltimore. They're three points behind Florida. Both teams, well, Kansas City can take care of business here against Baltimore. Florida has games this weekend too, and so you never know how that's going to shake out. Then the Comets go to Milwaukee there's an opportunity to steal some points there. It's going to be a very tough turnaround. And what teams in the Eastern Conference have shown this year is a, a difficulty in that second game. Milwaukee last weekend had a, a barn burner game against Florida Saturday night and then was totally flat Sunday at St. Louis. And so it's going to be a challenge, but for the Comets, they need to think about this one day at a time. Don't worry about Milwaukee yet. you got to focus on, on Florida. Excuse me, on Baltimore. Yeah, it, and it is it is tough, that turnaround. I mean, that's just a, a fact of life in this league. I mean, every team's going to have to go through it at some point. Some teams get uh, perhaps better schedules than others, but I don't, that's just probably luck of the draw. It's um, And I know we've talked sometimes like the old days, about teams that play three games in four days and things like that, but it's it still takes a toll. You have uh, a roster, and you have to deal with that roster, and who, who who's healthy, who's in – you know, the, the turnaround that you can uh, rest your legs because playing at midnight or playing until 10 o'clock at night and then getting on a bus or a plane that night to get to the next place, you don't have a chance to really recuperate. So let's talk about that a little bit because uh, Milwaukee's coach Giuliano Olivero has been critiqued for some of the decisions he's made on that second game. So they've had a, a couple situations this year where they've had a – Saturday night game at home or a, or a Friday night game at home and then the next day playing on the road. We we saw this in Kansas City in January, I believe, when they rested a lot of players. Derek Huffman didn't make the trip, etc. But then this happened again this weekend at St. Louis and uh, Milwaukee didn't look competitive most of that game or they were playing catch-up, I think is, is maybe a fair way to say. For the Comets, they have to make a decision here. Are we resting bodies in Milwaukee or are we going to try to go full back-to-back? -back? And so Coach Leo Gibson, Assistant Coach Stefan Stokish, they're going to have to give this some thought. Is this a contingent decision or, or what? But, again, they need points. If, if they want 
any good playoff position, they need to, to score some road points. And we can talk a little bit about what games they have left, where the opportunities are, but it's going to be impossible to get where they would like to be at the end of the regular season, only winning at home and losing the rest of their road games. If they win everything at home, they probably make the playoffs. They probably come in fourth. Probably. I mean, there's obviously chances of everything, but it, you know, it gets them to the playoffs, which is a very weak level of success, especially for this team who came in with much higher expectations on them, um, especially with everything they've done this year. We know how close they've come to being able to get these points and didn't quite get them. If you're the coach, do you prioritize Baltimore? Do you prioritize Milwaukee? Or do you just go full everything against the wall? And Well, so, so let's look at the next couple of weeks because this is the ultimate challenge facing the coaching staff. Two back-to-back weekends against teams right there in the standings. So this weekend, it's, it's home on Saturday versus Baltimore and then an immediate trip on Sunday to Milwaukee. The following weekend, it's home on a Friday night against Florida and then immediate turnaround to Baltimore, and that's going to be a, a, a difficult, difficult trip. Not only just playing an intense Florida team and then physically as well as mentally getting ready but look at what just happened in Baltimore. So you're going into an arena, you just lost by seven goals. How are you going to make that transition? That was seven goals with only one game. Yeah. That weekend, no excuses about back-to-back. They're going to have to figure that out. So, so it's going to be critical for the coaches to, to figure out how can they leverage the most points out of these four games. Again, uh, I, I will never claim to be the most knowledgeable, the- more knowledgeable than the coaches, but this could actually, in a way, backwards help them if they're tired going into Baltimore in that weekend. Maybe they don't press as high. Maybe they do sit back. Maybe they force that defense, and maybe they, they turn that script around this time just because they have to. Well, maybe you see some different players on the road. So when you're looking at home and away in a given weekend, there are some choices that you can make in terms of your starting 16, and so it would not shock me if we see both weekends, some players resting either way, meaning that that the, the top 16 play on the home game and then we see one or two players pivot in, in the lineup. That, that actually brings a point. I, I don't know if you mentioned this or you, or you noticed this, that in that Baltimore game. They were running tight two lines. We didn't see a lot of uh, Junior Kazim. We didn't see a lot of, of Chris uh, Andreas. And so it, it's almost like there was a different strategy in, in terms of player substitution, specifically in that Baltimore game. Right. We're used to 15. So, so there's two goalkeepers, right? So typically you'd have 15 players in the game. You're typically used to seeing 13, 14, 15 in the rotation for the Comets. That wasn't the case in Baltimore. I think with with two games back-to-back weekends, they're going to have to go a little bit deeper in terms of how they run their lines. Oh, I agree. And that that did surprise me uh, because I thought Andreos would have been a perfect guy to be playing on that field because of how quick he is and uh, just the the intensity he has on defending, uh, you know, the high press. I think he, I, I was very surprised he wasn't one of those guys who was getting a lot more time in that game. So now we'll see, right? 
we'll we'll see what changes. Every team has to adapt. You you adapt based on what you experienced the last game or the last couple games, and and so I would expect to see a different approach. It's at home anyway, but a different approach for this this matchup against Baltimore. But if you look at Milwaukee on Sunday, Comets had two good efforts there earlier in the season. Took one game into overtime, lost one like in the last minute. So they played them tight, although they had to come from behind both games. It's going to be interesting to see how they they approach that Sunday game. One thing I could see is because they basically have three target guys now between Reggett, uh, Marks, and uh, Junior. Yeah, I could see maybe one of those not playing much on one game and then getting a lot more time the next game. But, I don't think at this point you could probably sit Reggett unless he's hurt so or you know not play him a lot. That is actually one of the things I was going to bring up is we're sitting here watching practice and this is really their first they're getting their first week and second week of getting Reggett fully in training, getting used to him. So hopefully that I'm sure they're hoping that that will help. So Agreed, and something that I think is noticeable, the four games that he's played, he has scored seven goals at Cable Dom Arena, and he has been held on the road. And so what they have to figure out is in a hostile environment, how do they get him more involved in the game? He, he did get shots on goal, yep. Manzella said, but I think he looked a little frustrated against Baltimore as well. And, and so... How do they get him, for lack of a better term, off the schneid on the road? Because they can ride Reggett as long as, as they want to go the regular season and, and the playoffs, but it's got to be at home and away. It does. And, I mean, no goal scorer is going to score every game, no matter how good they are. You know, we, we have expectations of him scoring multiple goals every game. It averages out that he does. It's just not going to be that in every game. So there's those two specific examples where, again, I think Baltimore is obviously always going to be hard to score in that spot with Vanzella, the smaller arena, et cetera, the smaller field. It, it, I do would love to see him even more on uh, set pieces, though. I mean, I know they have so many good quality guys. But he is so deadly at those. And Leo just scored in oh, practice. Oh, how about that? So uh, I'm, I'm trying not to look, so that way I don't get distracted. So uh, you mentioned Vanzella. Interesting tidbit. The last time we saw William Banzella at Cable Dom Arena, he was not playing for the Baltimore Blast. He was playing for the San Diego Soccers during the COVID year yep. when the, the Comets hosted both semifinal series. And based on his strong goalkeeping, the Soccers upset at the time, upset uh, the Florida Tropics, who featured Ian Bennett that year, and then wound up winning the championship, even though they had a losing record in the in the regular season. And so Vanzella has shown over his career, he doesn't care where he plays; he's going to bring his A game regardless. Yeah, he's top keeper in this league since I don't for however long he's been in this league. He's definitely good. Uh, speaking of Ian Bennett, is there any word on uh, how he's doing? He played, so what's interesting is he played this last weekend, scored at home, got his uh, point-scoring streak stopped by, of all teams, the St. Louis Ambush. So no goals, no assists in, in Sunday's game, and, and he was in a regular shift. And so, Yeah, so he scored. I just wasn't sure how much he was playing. So Yeah, playing consistently. I, I think the issue is, is it, it was a difficult turnaround for Milwaukee, and I, th I think what's a challenge because we – tend to view the past with rose-colored glasses and, and, and talk about those road trips that teams like the Kansas City Attack had where they were playing 
if not three games in four days, sometimes three games in three three days. But think about rosters, thinking about where people were and uh, and the strategy of the game back then. And as well, sports medicine has evolved since the 1990s. And so it's really hard to say, hey, teams in this era did it this way, hence you should be able to do it the same way in a different era, it, particularly because the scheduling is very differently. It's one thing if both teams are playing the same number of games in a, in a given weekend, but one of the refrains you've been hearing across the MASL is, how come it is my team that has to play a back-to-back a -back weekend when the other team is coming in fresh, or, right? Right. Or getting the second game at home, where yeah, there's lots of that. And sure. I, I do think the Comets have not had a fortunate schedule this year, uh, especially early in the year when they were missing players for visa issues and lots of other things. But, but again, now I'm going to sound like you. It is what you you know. You got to play the schedule you got. San Diego Soccer's had a long stretch on the road recently. I think six games in a row on the road. Yeah. And they had red card suspensions in the middle of it. And somehow they still have the best record in, in the MASL. So they figured out how to win on the road through adversity. And so to a certain extent, I understand the challenges that some teams like the Comets have faced. And yet, if you want to win a championship, you have to overcome them. Yeah, and sometimes it is figuring out how to do it. Sometimes it is coaching. Sometimes it's teams pulling together. And sometimes it's just having a way deeper roster because we we know they've had a pretty good roster for the last few years. Yeah, I think what's what's interesting, now you're starting to hear, I don't know if people are listening to this podcast around the league, but you're starting to hear on other shows this whole issue about road record and winning on the road. But it's definitely a thing in the Eastern Conference. It is. That it's a, there's a lot of parity in this, in the East, I would say. Yeah, but, but it's not parity in the sense where on any given day a team could win anywhere. It just seems like teams that are at home are more apt to win than, than what you see in, on the Western Conference where there's a, there's a couple teams that doesn't matter where they play, they're going to win. But, but on, in the East now, every team has a losing record on the road. Yeah, and to me that is a, a one version of that parody though, because sure. the teams are close, and that advantage is that they are playing at home with a little more rest, their home bed, to, you know, not riding in a bus to the game that day. Sure. When we get into next week's episode and we start looking toward the playoffs, I think we'll have a better idea of, of what the options are for the Comets, because as we we've mentioned before, five teams qualify in this year's format. The fourth and the fifth place team get that opening game you definitely do not want to be the five particularly in the east where road teams have been struggling right, right? worst case scenario for the comments you want to be the four worst case scenario right and then you start looking at matchups because in some ways i'd take a four seed even if you had to play that first game and potentially get milwaukee as a first round matchup then having to be a three seed with baltimore ahead of you no, I, I see that. that. Because I think Florida has found some ways in the past to be successful in Baltimore. And, and so it, it, really, for me, it's it's about matchups as we start looking ahead towards the playoffs. And I know this is a little bit of a long shot, but ultimately I would like to see the Eastern Conference final be uh, Kansas City and Florida. I think that would be some really good storylines. Oh, I th perhaps you would continue to get massive listenership on this pod, Mr. Bell. Yeah, speaking of, uh, if you haven't listened to the Zach Reggett interview did recently, we're 
it really wasn't much of an interview. He just talked for an hour and got everything off his chest. Uh, go listen. Yeah, that, there were people around the league. I know that we've talked off air about how many listeners you, you, you've uh, gotten for for that episode. Just reading some of the banner, listening to some of the banner around the league, it was interesting how people referred to the Zach Reggett interview. It didn't necessarily say Zach Reggett's interview on the Blue Turf or Zach Reggett's interview with Brad Bell, but just said, hey, the Zach Reggett interview. So it it worked its way around the league. It it probably needed to. Um, And again, there's always going to be two sides to every story. There's, I understand that. It, It was definitely his perspective, and I believe pretty much everything he said i'm not saying there's something i didn't believe but i just leaving a little copy out there uh but it was a very interesting talking to him and he had a, a lot of uh things to like i said get off his chest well and i i know we texted as i was listening to this and then i was getting texts from other broadcasters who were that day who were listening to it so so i know that that other broadcasters were listening. Clearly other players were listening and fans were listening too. And so um, I think there were a lot of eyes on the, on the Florida tropics, but, but ultimately that team has so much talent that it can overcome a lot. Oh, definitely. Very talented team. All right. Anything we should have covered today, Eric? Oh, I think we covered a lot. It's going to be a, a critical weekend for the Comets. They absolutely need to get three points on Saturday focus on that first and then then pivot quickly to what can you bring back from milwaukee all right good luck to the comments this weekend uh have fun calling the game we'll always plan on doing that thanks that and, and we'll catch you next week to, right here thank you and we are out All right, uh, a little addition to our pod, the pod I just did with Eric Bergrud on the Blue Turf. I have with me legendary keeper Alan Mayer. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks for letting me come on your show. It's awesome. Uh, no, the honor's mine, man. <laughs> <laughs> Getting you on this is uh, pretty pretty legendary for me. So uh, I, I saw you play long, many, many years ago, but uh, this was the anniversary, what, the 40th anniversary of you being the MVP? Was that correct? Yes, they... Uh, it, it was 40, 40 very quick years. I don't know where the heck they went, but uh, we did have a little uh, uh, party at, in San Diego this past weekend. Uh, so uh, I went back there for it, and it was it was wonderful. It was a great time. Uh, you did not jump in the uh, the alumni game there. I did not. Uh, I, when I uh, first arrived, they said that this year they want to try to make it a competitive game. <laughs> And uh, and they're going to make it six v six instead of your normal ten v ten or twelve v yeah. twelve, where in the ten v ten or twelve you can hide. Right. So, so yeah, I do that in immediate games. Yeah, maybe. right. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly uh, exactly right. And so when, once they said they want to make it a little bit more competitive, and um, and there was only going to be six people on the field, I said, whoa, maybe I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll get in shape for next year or something. But. Uh, uh, as it turned out, they ended up playing like 12 v 12 anyway, uh, which is what you should do in those games. Right. Uh, but it was it was a lot. It was a ton of fun. Who uh, who are some of the other legends that were on that team with you? Well, in that 1982-83 championship team, it was in the uh, uh, in the MISL. Uh, the we had a we had a really very very good uh, 
uh, team, a lot of uh, diverse, diversified type players. Uh, some of the players that were there uh, this weekend, obviously, is you know the, the, the big name would be Julie V. Uh, good, very good friend of mine. I played with him for a number of years, and just a, a tremendous player, one of the best uh, in the indoor game. Uh, Cha Cha Namdar was there, a really uh, a role player with us at the time, and played a very, very pivotal uh, uh, play because he, he came in and uh, he does a, like like uh, with Chris uh, Andreas with us now. He runs around a lot and and creates havoc. And that was uh, what Cha Cha did. Uh, another fella uh, was a uh, Frank Vicaro, Vizarro, uh, and uh, I found out this that uh, you know he he again was a role player with us, uh, was a good player, uh, did his deal, but I later found out, or he, he, he was telling me now that uh, he after he quit soccer he went into um, the food business and he worked for um, Pizza Hut down down. Uh, around San Diego, and then he went into a company called McDonald's. And uh, when he said McDonald's, I, you know, I didn't. It was the real McDonald's, yeah. and he worked his way all the way up to the number two man in the world. Wow! So uh, uh, soccer players do have a, a chance to to uh, be very successful off the field as well. So it was it was really nice. I was trying to get him. I'm trying to get a few free coupons from McDonald's from him, but. Uh, he, he he retired there a few years ago. He's not just so, carrying them in his wallet now. No, I, I, he's uh, he, uh, he probably has a, uh, enough dollars in his wallet to, to not have to worry about the free coupons. Yeah, he, he can afford it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we had Guy Newman come in, uh, which is Ron Newman's son. Guy was a wonderful player for us in the back uh, in the championship year, and he he played a big part in us winning it. Uh, and he was an all-hustle guy. Uh, Skill-wise, uh, decent, but you, uh, he had a great attitude. Didn't back down from anything. Played all, all along. Um, so it was a, a, a nice thing to see guy uh, guy out there with us as well. He's a he's a guy I would actually like to get on the pod one day just to talk about his dad and I yes. mean, you know his career too. Mm -hmm. But honestly, about his dad. Absolutely. Yeah. No, his dad has had you know. Uh, Ron is legendary. I mean, he, he had a great career, and and uh, Guy was a, a a good play, a very good player, and uh, he was a you know one of the guys I wanted to see when I was there. I spent some time with him, and uh, we're, we're good friends. Uh, my wife and uh, our family are, are very good friends with Newman's uh, because he was coaching here with the Wiz uh, when I coached with uh, uh, it was. Ron and Guy were the coaches, and then I was the, uh, a goalkeeper coach uh, when we first started off with the Wiz, and then the Wizards. Um, so it was nice, and uh, so we started off a little bit in the MLS as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I I remember that man. Yeah. That's uh, I, I had seen Ron as a indoor coach, and obviously with you know with the Wiz and Wizards, he was uh, spectacular all the time. Right. One of my favorite memories back then was I got to go to a, like a, a coach talk with him, and it mm -hmm. was, you know, I'm just a fan, and he's yep. just up there talking. Yep. And well, it's a coach talk, I'm sure. I'm sure you probably learned a few things, but I'm also I'm, you probably thought you were in a, a, a comedy store as well, uh, yeah. uh, because he can tell good stories, and, and he's a funny fella. Funny fella. Uh, speaking of stories, what what stories can you tell from back in those days with? Uh, when you were winning the MVP? Well, well you know, one of the things that uh, I, I, it shocked me, because uh, I, I 
I hadn't thought about it for a long time, but uh, it, it was a, I just, and the people refreshed my memory when we went back. And I'll tell you, it was a, uh, how we actually won that, uh, the tournament, uh, the, the, the championship there when, you know, we played Baltimore, it was like the, the uh, first or second highest scoring team in the, in the league at the time. And uh, they came to us in San Diego. Uh, the first two games, we shut them out, and then we went back to uh, to uh, Baltimore, and they won two. So it was a great, great, and I wouldn't have done it any other way to come back and win the championship in, in front of your fans, the third and final game. And they only scored one goal in that particular game, and we won it three to one. Uh, so we were the champions. But I forgot when uh, I forgot about uh, how we actually did it in the respect that. We were in the MISL at the time, and we're so that's the indoor, but the NESL was playing outdoor at the time, so we were a member of both of them at the same time. We opened up our NASL season like three days before the MISL finals. Wow. So, uh, uh, so we actually had like six or seven of our players who played in the final game uh, and uh, uh, actually played in the outdoor MI, uh, NASL uh, opener uh, and then had to, with no rest or anything, come in and play in the championship game. So there were six or seven of them that did that, and I forgot that happened, and, and there were several of them that were key contributors. Uh, you know, Guy Newman was one of them, uh, Apollo Siri, uh, Gary uh, were, were you nodding goal for both of those, though? No. Oh, no, no. Because I was, uh, I just finished playing 48 regular, uh, we played 48 regular season, and this was the 10th game in, in the, the playoffs. Uh, and I was really beat up uh, from, the, from the long season. Uh, so, uh, for, fortunately, uh, he rested probably four or five of the, the regular indoor guys. But still, the majority of your team, and, and you're playing in a, uh, an outdoor league to go indoor and then to go against a team like Baltimore who was uh, had uh, the second best record in the league uh, it, it was a it was a, a huge challenge and it was nice to you know to be able to achieve the success uh, under those circumstances oh, that's amazing yeah. Yeah. you t you need to tell that story now to the if the guys are like you know tired of having to play two games in a week right right exactly I mean we, we sometimes we played three 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 games in four days. I mean, it was it was pretty heavy, and uh, fortunately, knock on wood, I was, I was healthy enough to go uh, in most of them. As I said, I ended up playing uh, 52 games in that in that one in that one championship series uh, uh, series uh, year for the year. All right, thank you. Yeah. Um, do you remember what your record was back then? Yeah. Uh, yes, I do. What was it? Yeah, uh, mine was 32 and 10. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it was uh, it, it was uh, it was it was great because once a year I I didn't play the first uh, six games because there was a problem with uh, the contract in in coming from the MISL uh, in into the uh, uh, into because I it was it's it was legal matter basically yeah. but it was a problem with the contract and I sat out the first six games and then from then on it was a you know 40 something straight um 
and at that time we were one and five in the first part of the se season. And so you made all the around. difference. No, I didn't. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. All I'm, <laughs> I'm saying, saying is that, that we, yeah, we came in and uh, we had some uh, some good success, and it was great this past weekend going back and seeing those guys again, and a, and a lot of the fans as well that, that uh, were, were there. Uh, do do and, you yeah. remember like some of the specific fans from back then? Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Oh yeah. They they, they uh, uh, absolutely. You know, they would come up and they would tell me a little bit what you know how we met and stuff like that, and I, I do remember them. Because uh, they have good fans there, and we have good fans here in, in Kansas City. Uh, but it was 40 years since I uh, went back, you know, for, uh, uh, to to see a game. Uh, and so it was a, a long, I can't believe it. 40 years went by, and uh, and when I started, when I saw my teammates, and, and the stadium was, uh, it was just brought back a lot of fine memories. When you say that was 40 years ago, man, I was thinking you're like playing like you're a five or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, maybe six or seven. <laughs> I, see you, I see you. uh I see you out here exercising after uh, practices with the comments and stuff, and uh, you're doing pretty dang good, man. Uh, I'm not sure if I would use the word exercise. And that, that, that means you're actually probably doing something. Uh, I, uh, I, 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 I do try to get out and do a little something, and uh, it's all in slow motion right now. It doesn't have to be as fast as it used to be. No, no, not no, no, not not now. Uh, but but it's been it was it was good. With uh with the differences in uh, sport and you know uh, medical science, exercise science, you kind of wish you were playing in this day and age versus back then, or. You know, a lot of people have asked me that question, and they, because, you know, like especially like in the, like the MLS and things like that, where they're making some really good money and and et cetera. Uh, I mean, really good. So people always say, you know, you came a few years early. Uh, but I, I look at it strictly in the fact that I really, um, I'm very happy with the, the coming in when I came in in the 70s, and uh, because the way the way it is in my mind is, I was out in a competitive nature against maybe a hundred different people. Okay, a hundred different goalkeepers. So you just have to be in the top one or two of the hundred. Nowadays, it, it, it's that hundred has shot up to maybe, you know, ten thousand or a hundred thousand uh, goalkeepers all throughout America, and so the chances and the odds of you know getting into the top, you know, echelon in that particular would would be a lot tougher. Not that it couldn't be done, but it would be a lot tougher. Uh, I think the cream always rises, though. I mean, the the top the top hundred back then is yeah. probably still would be the top hundred now. Just yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know, there's there's always. Uh, you know, to, to, to really do well in the sport, you have to have lucky breaks and you have to be at the right time at the right place. Uh, you know, have the right coach, uh, you know, draft you or the team. And then, like in my particular situation, I was drafted, I was lucky enough to go with a team that already had a seasoned goalkeeper. A, a, so I didn't have to come in and play right away. So I sat my really about uh, first year, year, I sat out all but five games. And then the next year, we, we uh, traded, he, he went to the reserve and I went into the uh, first spot. Uh, so it, it, was, it was, as I say, a perfect, perfect storm in the uh, right place at the right time. Now if I went in with the one that had a, the goalkeeper was 25 and was doing really, really well, maybe I would never have gotten a chance. That's what I'm saying, I don't have any regrets about doing it earlier on. 
That's, that's the way it is with the, I mean, I see a lot of guys will go to a team and I think they're really good and they just don't get their chance. They might have to go to another team in order to even have a, a shot at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you have to wait your turn. And then when your turn comes, you have to perform. If you wait your turn, your time and your time comes and then you don't perform, you're out. Yep. Uh, it's a doggy dog game and it's, it's, unfortunately, it's a big business. And that's just the way it is. Especially now. Yeah, it is. Yep, exactly. All right, so I, mean, I don't want to call this rapid fire, but maybe a little bit. But yep. who's who's the best opposing keeper you've played against? The best opposing keeper I've played against is probably, uh, there's there's several of them, uh, but uh, probably the number one one would be Victor Naguara. Uh, I really uh, rank him very high as a goalkeeper. Uh, you know, there was other, you know, uh, you know, Slobo's up there, Chef Messing's up there. Uh, there, there was just a, a, a ton, ton of uh, Zoltan Toth is up there. As a matter of fact, I just was with Zoltan in San Diego for he and Julie and I spent a lot of time together. Uh, cool. Who was, uh, who was the opposing attacker that you most hated to see get the ball in his foot? I would say uh, uh, the person who I hated the most, it just got on his foot and then it when he shot and it went by me a lot of times with Steve Jungle. Yeah. Steve Jungle is the lord of all indoors and the son of a gun. He, he uh, made probably a living, you know, scoring a lot of goals off me. <laughs> uh, but uh, Steve, he was very smart. You know, he didn't have a really strong shot. Uh, that was reserved for his buddy Bronco Zagoda. Uh, yeah. But uh, but he he was very smart in, 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 in placing it. And uh, he did not like to come back. Uh, you know, pass the midfield and play defense, so he's always up front. But he is the lord of all indoors for, for that reason. That was uh, one of my favorite memories about watching Precky is, yeah, he didn't cross the, the right. defensive line there. Yeah, and Precky is Precky's up there too. Precky is a, a, is a legit, you know, if I was to throw out my top ten, he'd be, he'd be uh, probably one of them in there too because he was very, very clever, very quick, uh, smart, and, uh, you know, you know, he's all, it was all left foot, but and you knew it, and you tried to play it, and he was so good, he he, he could get by you with knowing even what he's going to do. So yeah. he was a good, he was a, and he's a good, te you know, good teammate when he's here, and, and uh, when we were with the Wiz together. Which is uh, definitely why Ron Newman brought him in. Right, exactly. All right, a little different because I, mm -hmm. I think people ask these sort of questions a lot of times. But yeah. as when I when I played as a defender, and I always promised my keeper I'd do everything I would to not let a shot in on him. Right. Who was the favorite defender to have in front of you? Well, uh, that 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 a good question, and a lot of had to do with the uh, the team you're playing on. You know, uh, for example, here in in Kansas City, I. Uh, two that I really liked a lot was with Kim Rumbet and uh, Gino Schiraldi. You know, uh, Kim was probably, in my opinion, the uh, the best uh, defend def uh, defender in in all of MISL. Uh, he had everything. He could defend. He could. Uh, he had speed. He could kick with both feet. He was very intelligent, and he hated to lose. Yeah. You know, he had a a, a good edge on him. And that edge is, you know, is, is really is good. And Gino was, you know, Gino's nickname was the Bull, and there's a reason why. Uh, so I was fortunate to have, you know, uh, two really good uh, defenders in front of me here. Uh, and then it, it depended upon where else you went. Uh, you know, in San Diego, I, you know, Kevin Crow was there, Martin Donlin, Gert Wieschikowski, just uh, on and on. Um, uh, 
and you are you're you're, te you're really are the old saying is you're as good as your defense in front of you. It's it's really true. I mean, you still have to go and perform, but your defense in front of you help, helps you out a lot. Uh, to uh, it's just a wonderful uh, wonderful to have good defenders in with you, and uh, and I like the uh, the competitors in them. I I like the ones that didn't want to lose and would just go all out. Uh, I don't want to take too much of your time, no but um, love it. I want to ask one more, at mm -hmm. least. Um, mm -hmm. I talk to your son all the time. Right. You guys are the the keeping the goalkeeping tandem coach. I didn't say that very right. well. You know what I mean? The mm -hmm. the goalkeeping coaches for the Comets. Right. How you know how cool is it to to work with him on a pretty much daily basis? Oh, I I, I love it. It's absolutely fa fabulous and a little, uh, you know. I mean, I love working for the Comets. I have done it for a long time, but he makes it extra special. And one of the reasons why, I'm, one of the main reasons why I'm still uh, coaching here, uh, to to work with him, you know, to drive in a car and talk about different things. And uh, he's a real he, he. The thing about we're a little bit different in in the respect that uh, he's much better at evaluating talent than I am. Hmm. He can look at someone and say, you know, he's good. It, and or he says he's crap. Um, so he has a uh, he knows the league, the the players in the MASL way better than I do. Uh, what you know who the good players are and who's who's not. Uh, so he, he studies them a lot. Um, and then you know to be able to uh, to to train with him and we're very you know he and I are both very and I'm telling you sincerely we're very lucky to have the the, the people that we work with. Uh, uh, the goalkeeping situation we've had here the last few years uh, has been wonderful. Great, great people. You know, working with uh, you know Leo and Stefan is, is tremendous because we we go we go way back. You know, we, we I respect them tremendously. Um, so they have a good value of the game. But our keepers that we've had, you know, starting right, you know, with Neto, uh, is is has been great to work with and, and the thing is that you're talking about with Kenny and I we have different uh, you know I'm 70 years old Kenny's 40 and Neto's you know 20 something so there's a, there could be an age difference there but, a little bit but but Kenny uh, can uh, bridge that age uh, bracket better uh, so uh, you know we've been lucky we've had you know uh, we've we've had Boris and Danny in the past, you know, uh, Steve uh, Patterson, he, he was a really good goalkeeper. Uh, the lawman down in uh, Wichita yep. was a, a great to, to work with. Uh, with, you know, with uh, Lou and I mean it just goes on and on. And the ones with uh, right now with Stevie coming up has been an absolute pleasure to work with. Uh, uh, you know, I had Stevie when I was working in, with Sporting in their academy. Uh, he was one of the goalkeepers there, and I've always liked what I saw from him there. Uh, but he has all the uh, necessary things to be a success, and uh, including attitude, including uh, athletic ability, including you know wanting to play, uh, a good guy, you know. And then with Tito coming in to to, to help out, we've been very fortunate uh, uh, that we've had a lot of good good people uh, to work with, and that's a that's a, you know, that's cream on the crop as far as if if you can enjoy working with with good goalkeepers, but with with very nice people as well, it it's, uh, makes it a whole lot easier, a whole lot more fun to to do. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
that's why I love to just come and watch practice here and you know right. chat with you guys afterwards and yeah. talk about different players and such. Mm. Um, with with your having been around for a few years and played at pretty much every level that there is possible from indoor, outdoor, national team. How much have you seen the, the, the goalkeeper role change, evolve over the years? It seems like much more, you know, using their feet than they used right. to. Yeah. Well, it, it's uh, two things. A is uh, the evolution of the outdoor goalkeeper and then the evolution of the indoor goalkeeper. And the outdoor goalkeeper, the big thing is uh, your, your feet is the main one. Uh, uh, well, I would say right now in outdoor, it's your height. <laughs> Unfortunately, most teams don't even don't even entertain a, a, a person unless they're 6'3", 6 6 uh, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Uh, and they also have to be you know, very good. At a lot of it, uh, strategy in, in the outdoors building out of the back. Uh, so they stress the, the feet as well. So the size and the feet are the big things, big changes in the outdoor. Then the indoor uh, deal is uh, the height isn't as, as important. The feet, the feet are important, uh, but not everything, okay? A, f uh, a few years ago, before they brought in the goalkeeper, pa uh, uh, passed the ball back to the goalkeeper uh, rule, uh, I think the feet uh, played a, a much bigger part in the game. Uh, but right now, with the keeper not allowing to, to, to use, uh, getting the back pass, uh, it, does, it doesn't play nearly as much. So you're, gonna, you're looking at for, for goalkeepers who are more, you know, quick, brave, um, and uh, you know, and the other thing is in indoors you don't have to, you don't have to. Although it's good when you use your hands to hold on to the ball, outdoors you have to hold on to the ball or you're going to be you're going to be in trouble. Right here, you know, blocking the ball is is key, and uh, in the indoor and in the indoor game is all about. Uh, you know your angles and your position, and that's why you see a lot of these. Uh, there's probably eight to ten very good goalkeepers in the league right now, and they're mostly older ones because they're they're used to the uh, the experience level of when you know how 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 a shot is taken and the usage of the boards. Uh, where outdoors you don't have any boards, but indoor you have to get used to. Uh, you know that's an a, a big adjustment. Uh, to get used to, you know, the boards and how they react. Uh, yeah. So, so it's 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 you know, uh, lots of different uh, in, 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 uh, small intricacies of the game that that matter. When uh, yeah, an outdoor when you know the opponent misses a shot, the the yeah, ball's out. out. And yep. Now you're like waiting for the rebound to come back into the box. Right. And you got to be careful in that rebound that you don't dive for the ball when the ball just. You know, just just barely gets past the post because it, if you dive late and the ball hits the back and you're diving and the ball comes back and hits you and goes in. Yep. Now does that happen? Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, it's just part of the game. How long do you think it takes for a? Because a, a, I mean, a, a lot of keepers, especially in Kansas City, a lot of other areas mm -hmm. have played indoor when they're kids and mm -hmm. teenagers, and but to become a professional indoor keeper, how much time does it really take to do that adaptation? Well, I, I mean. Obviously, it depends upon the, uh, the the that the goalkeeper itself. You know, uh, there's two two big things: is the mentality, the uh, part of the game, and the physicality of the game. You know, physicality. Do, do they have the uh, you know the the quickness, the bravery, the uh, 
being able to uh, you know make saves with your hands etc and then the other is the mentality um, you know do you really do you really want to put your face in front of a ball that's coming at you at 75 miles an hour do you really want to go out there and kick into somebody when they're running hard at you and and, and you know are trying to score a goal and uh, so you there is a little saying about you know and unfortunately it is true about goalkeepers got to be a little you, you got to have a little screw loose or you got to be a little crazy to play it absolutely you ought to you ought to know that yes uh, so uh it that's it's true it's it's true so the bravery aspect of it you have to have that in in you need, you can't be turning your head when the guy's taking a shot you turn your head when they're taking a shot you make a you make yourself smaller and more more of the goal for them to score in uh, and probably more likely to have a concussion because you get hit in the side of the head that's correct that's right and you know you got to you know, uh, you have to come out and uh, uh, make yourself big at all times, and you have to uh, have no regard at all for uh, injury. You come out, you, you spread your legs out, and if you get hit and you know where, it's it's that's the way it is. And you have to be able to to take that and jump back up right away because that ball is bouncing in the goal somewhere. So you got to get up right away to to to, to find a the rebound save yeah worry about being hurt after the play absolutely and if you worry about being hurt it's it's uh it's not the right position for you you know you just gotta just go and, and play uh, and that's that's the thing about with 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 a lot of players uh unfortunately you have to play in goal a lot of times with some kind of injury and pain and if you can't play with pain you're not going to be able to, to 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 last. I mean, you may play one game and then you're out for five or six, but playing with pain, and I'm I'm talking about pain. I'm not talking about you know like your your knee is is all jacked up and you can't move. I mean, right. obviously, but but you know your your, your fingers your, your, you know are always swollen and hurt. Your, your shoulders are sore. Your hips are sore because you're hitting the ground all the time. Your knees sore knees are okay, but you know torn ligaments and stuff you can't do anything about. There's going to be some things uh, that you can't do anything about, but most part your goalkeepers will, will play a lot of times with when maybe the, maybe the normal person wouldn't. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, just going back to a little bit on the history there, was uh, mm -hmm. that, that MVP year, MVP year for you, right. 82, 83? Right. Uh, was that maybe your favorite year of playing, or was there, or was there another year that maybe stands out for you? Uh, no, it was one of the favorite uh, years for sure. Um, and the reason is, and this is going to sound funny, but uh, winning the MVP, which is you know obviously the you know better player in the league, uh, that was a good, nice award to have. And uh, so I won that. And I was able to celebrate it for a day or two. We were in the middle of a playoff series, so I didn't really think too much about it. But I'll tell you, for 100% fact, I was named MVP of, a, of the league, and then we, 10 days later, we won the championship, okay? There is nothing in this world that will, will be this same as winning a championship you know you could be the best player in the league and and that's good but winning the championship and be able to share it with your teammates and the fans was a hundred times better than winning mvp so the reason why i say that was 
I enjoyed that season was because we, we, won, the, we won the league in a very uh, tough manner. In, uh, and there's uh, tough manners are, you know, the way the team was developed and, you know, we had a bad start and we were just one of the new teams and we went from the NASL to the MISL and they were, quote, unquote, you're, they were too old, to, too slow to play. So there's a lot of things that went involved in, the, in, that, in that championship year. Uh, so that was one of the better ones. Uh, and winning the championship was, was key. And then, like, when we won the championship here with the, with the Comets, that was another big thrill because, again, it's a team victory. Uh, you know, is, it, is it different because you were a coach for that uh, one versus way different, being? Way different, way different. You know, when you're a player, you're, you're involved heavily in it. Coaching was, you know, just the goalkeeper coach. I mean, you can only do so much with it. So, so that was, it was nice, but uh, to actually play and, and leave the sweat and tears and things on the, on the ground, blood and everything on the ground, means a, a, meant a lot, a lot uh, to me. I know for a lot of people that's always a tough transition from being a player to being a coach, right? Because you you could affect everything, and now you got to you know prepare differently. You got to you know prepare your guys and stuff like that, and you know that's just got to be the same kind of thing as like you can't affect that championship game, right? You, there's not a darn thing you can do really from you know. Sitting but it's in the all you, it's time. everything you did before that, right? Though. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that's true. Uh, but I didn't. You didn't. You can't make that winning save. You can't make that winning save with one second to go, or you can't score that the, the goal, or or block it, or you can't physically do something about it. Uh, but you know what? It's going to happen to everybody, every player that I know of, ever, ever. You know they've played and then they've they've, you know, then they stopped and that was yep. it. <laughs> you can't go forever, uh, which is uh, unfortunate. But that's this is uh, right now. It's the best of both worlds. You know. I played, and now he can still be involved with the with the team. And thanks, you know, the, the comments allow me to do that, and it's 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 wonderful. I think they're so, thankful for having you here well, more I don't than know, that. But I, I'm very I'm I'm grateful that they allow us to do it because I, I tell you what, it, it's it's not only do, it, it's nice to you know help the goalkeepers with their, their different things, but with all the field players as well. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to tell them really how to kick a ball or you know what they should do to defend, defend or how to score a goal or something. You can give them a little bit of hit, uh, things on the mental part of it, but they're just so much fun to be with. You know, they're nice. They're nice people, nice, and uh, that's why I get really, really upset at the games. Uh, uh, and and you know, especially when I watch the away games because I don't travel. Uh, I say probably watch it on the TV, and I, my wife can't even stay, stand me in, uh, in any more. She goes in the other room because I get heavily involved in it. Although I don't play, I want to see, you know, Lucas Sosa score goals, Rian score goals, right. uh, Zach do, do his thing, you know, and, uh, and obviously the keepers play well, and Sosa and, you know, all, all, that, all, all the boys. Yeah, I, I often see you around halftime up at, uh, at the upper yeah. level of Cable mm -hmm. Dahmer Arena, and you know it's definitely depends on how that game's going. I can t if I didn't if I couldn't see the score, I could tell by your face, just yeah. like you know, okay, everything's going good, or that there's a scowl. So right, well, I got to I, I have to really watch what I say uh, and do, uh, and and act react to different things that happen on the field. And fortunately, my wife is generally with me; she can calm me down and sort of say, hey, you know. Be careful. You don't can't you can't be using those 
those words with people around, et cetera, et cetera. But I love around. the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a different, completely different ball game. But it's a that that's how much uh, how emotionally involved I am, and so it's it's wonderful to, you know, especially you don't know yet, but when you get to be 70 years old and stuff, it's good to have a little something on, to uh, to look forward to. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm catching up. Yeah, to you, you man. got you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that fraction gets smaller. That's every right. Day. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, I greatly appreciate the time. Um, it's it's always been an honor for me to talk to you. I mean, I've I've seen you play indoor. I've seen you play outdoor. I've seen you play for the national team. It's it's a it's honor to be able to talk to you. You know, once a week and getting roped into one of your after practice games uh, yeah, yeah, last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which which you did well in it. it, was, it no, was no, I I, I intentionally it, sucked because yeah, yeah, then, no, then I started cheating. <laughs> you you did cheat and you did well in the cheating part of it, which is nice. Uh, I, I, I'm glad I've earned your respect at least yes, in that regard. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right. When thank in you. doubt, when in doubt, call it out. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Appreciate the time, yep. Coach. You bet. And thank, thank you very much. Enjoyed it. And we are out. <laughs>